Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, you may also enjoy a podcast about changing your image. Great idea, James B. When Thunderball, Elliot Franklin, wanted to be taken seriously, he created The Wrecking Crew, and then he created a viral video of himself swinging on a large wrecking ball. He will teach you how to change your image, too. Listen to this inspirational podcast, I Came In Like a Wrecking Thunderball, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. It's like there's some kind of plagiarism or royalty problems in this, but I don't know, James B. From November of 1983, Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 84, My Baby's Been Kidnapped, by Bill Mantlo, and art by Dave Simons. Felicia is getting out of the hospital. Her mother is taking her home, and when Spidey asks for the bill, there's no charge. Come on now. This is a big reason Peter dropped out of school. Hey, Eddie, a big reason we did this podcast was to read a whole bunch of Spider-Man books. Huh? And we have podcasted over 520 books. That's pretty impressive. Agreed. Uh, it is, James B. Uh, but our guest today is our friend who has read the most Spider-Man books. Back again to make our podcast seem smarter is the renowned Kevin Ewing. We are hobgoblin giddy to have you join us. How you doing, Kevin? Hi, happy to be back. Uh, my past appearance on the show were for Amazing and Marvel team-up issues, so this is my first time for Spectacular, so I'm kind of excited for that. And if I was counting, and I kind of am, I just passed 3,600. <laughs> now, that's certainly not the most anyone's ever read, of course, but currently <laughs> I'm reading The Adventures of Spider-Man 2099, one of the stars of the Across the Spider-Verse movie that just released a little while ago. Wow. Do you know anything about any of the characters in our books that we're reading today? So I just, did you notice how nonchalant and okay Felicia's mom was with meeting her daughter's boyfriend, whom Felicia professed to love? Her, her mother's meeting her for the first time. Her daughter says she loves him. It's Spider-Man of all people. And the mother is totally fine with this and says, yeah, I think you'll be happy together. Um, yeah, I, sure. Do you want me to fire up a segment here? Like, so you're saying there's a chance why this would make sense or should we just assume that it's probably, you know, probably better just to go on. I'll, I'll say this. Was it more disturbing to you, uh, that the mother accepted that her daughter was in love with someone or that it was Spider-Man? I think it was because it was a mass superhero who's pretty famous in New York. We do understand that the mother is married to or was married to a burglar, right? right. A criminal. Yes, yes, he was. And then and her daughter who's lying around in the hospital kind of almost all the time. It seems like everybody knows Felicia Hardy's a black cat. Agree? Yes. Yeah. So they're like, "Okay, Felicia, you know, your dad was a criminal. You just saved the city with Spider-Man. You're going to just put on that one little triangle mask on your eyes and now you're back in your costume. I guess the whole thing is, I think she's more, I'm surprised she's nonchalant about her daughter being the black cat more than anything okay. else. But I understand those are, those are excellent points that you brought to us. Fair enough. I did want to also, I also want to mention the writers, Eddie, I like that they made sure her bill was paid because I didn't want 
Peter's dropping out of school to all be on Felicia. And then it would be a big burden for readers. They'd be like, oh my God, he could have got his degree sooner, but we had to worry about a stupid Felicia in the hospital and stuff. So I thought that was a good reason to write it that way. But I, I do valid. I do find your point uh, valid. Um, just we've kind of taken a little bit of a, of a sideways uh, conversation here. Why don't we just get back to the summary, Eddie? Sure. When Peter heads over to the bugle, he is startled to find a news crew preparing to film Jay Jonah. Lance informs Peter Jay Jonah's news is too big for print. And when they go live, we see Councilman Daly retelling the story of how his infant son was kidnapped. Peter inwardly questions the motives of the councilman as he departs to search for his child. It should be pointed out here that the kidnapping happened in broad daylight while the politician was giving a speech to at least, I counted, there was at least seven people there, probably more that just weren't shown. But this happened directly behind the councilman and not a single person (laughs) noticed that woman walk up to the baby carriage, take out the baby and leave. There's a lot of questionable parenting going on in this book that I have considered. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, a montage of Spidey swinging through the city with kids dancing to the latest rap song below ends at a shifty arcade. There he roughs up some locals for info to no avail. Instead, a young child helps him find a bereaved woman who out of despair kidnapped the baby, but the child has since been taken from her. Spider-Man catches up to the group of thugs with the baby and fights off a pack of junkyard dogs before returning the child to the councilman's family. There's never been less interesting fighting in a Spider-Man book than this one, I think. <laughs> he's, he's fighting in an arcade. He's fighting some thugs that took the baby. And then a pack of dogs, everyone. So I have a theory. Yes. These are the only theories I can produce because of Eddie, you and I are reading these books like back to back to back. And gotcha. Reading all three of the storylines. I think this is a Marvel team up story that just got moved over here. Ooh, interesting. Mm. It has a dead baby in it. It has like what? goofy characters saying goofy things. Oh, like, oh, true, my daughter's it? dating Spider-Man. And like, oh, someone just kidnapped a baby and no one noticed. Yeah. And it does wrap up all in one story. I mean, is there, besides Felicia being in the hospital, and actually, that could even happen to the Marvel team-up still, right? This, True. This this could have been like Spider-Man and anybody in, you know, my baby was kidnapped, and then somebody helps with the baby. So, I don't know. It just feels like the kind of plot that they shipped it over here, and they didn't want to, like, Ooh. get rid of it. One thing I found interesting in there was, you know, the fact that they kind of stressed how Spider-Man is decidedly not a good detective, when he was trying to find the kidnappers, which is kind of interesting when, you know, for for DC, there's Batman who's known as the world's greatest detective. So I thought it was interesting how they emphasize Spidey is not. Did you notice who they claimed Eddie was a great detective in uh, Marvel? Uh, I don't know. Tell me about it, James B. Uh, Kevin, do you remember who they said? Mm, No. He says Daredevil. He's like, Daredevil's oh, right. detective, yeah. not me. Oh. And I'm thinking, well, Daredevil's kind of got an inside track on the law like, you know, <laughs> that he doesn't know about. Cause, but he thinks Daredevil's a great detective, and he's not. It's a good point. Correct. Eddie, good comments about no fighting in this book, basically. There's just a very little bit. The prerequisite, a couple swings, so you right. know, 13-year-old kids would be happy. And Kevin, yes, all the parenting was very <laughs> sus. Uh, they just wanted to make it a clean story. We- not... 
Not the highlight of the Peter Parker of the Spectacular Spider-Man, but maybe this next book will be. And that book was from December of 1993. Peter Parker of the Spectacular Hold Spider-Man. Hold on there, Jason. You said but, 1993. But, <laughs> oh, my God. Jumping ahead. I am all messed up here. That's during the Clone Saga, I think. <laughs> Take 17. And it's from December of 1983. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 85, The Hatred of the Hobgoblin. Once again by Bill Mantlo with Al Milgram and Jim Mooney. Using the formula theorized in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 82, we begin with the Hobgoblin gaining super strength and a hefty dose of crazy. Those are the two things this formula does. Meanwhile, Peter is having lunch with Liz, Harry, Shawshan, Flash, Betty Brant, and MJ... Liz has brought them together to tell everyone. She is pregnant. Flash is visibly not doing well, although admits to nothing, while MJ confuses and intrigues Peter. He swings off his spidey, pondering how Spider-Man keeps Peter from having fully honest relationships with anyone. Flash visibly not doing well, is not related to the fact that Liz was his girl back in yes. Amazing Fantasy 15. It's because he's having problems with Shashian, I hope. Um, hey, Kevin, this is the second time I've seen the five faces of Peter Parker's lovers recently. They have this picture with like a big MJ and a, uh, a big Gwen Stacy. And there's a little Betty there. And there's a Deb Whitman in glasses. I don't know if you saw this picture, but I think Liz Allen is supposed to be the last picture um this is from 1983 so i guess it's accurate do you think liz allen is the fifth peter parker lover of it's actually someone with way less appearances than liz but someone that you both should recognize especially from your readings of marvel team up sissy ironwood sissy ironwood that's it hey that's sissy ironwood it is (laughs) Has she ever even kissed Peter? They definitely dated. Yeah. Did, really? Really, did they? He mentions her in that uh, annual, but boy. Okay. I'll, well, that's why we bring you on the show so you I, can. Yeah, I appreciate the panel below that, too, actually. Uh, hats off to Al Milgram and Jim Moody for drawing Spider Man. He's pushing, like, all five of the women to one side and peter parker to the other one yeah i I think that's a callback um back in one of the early issues of amazing when steve ditko was the author there's a famous panel of of a very similar thing with peter on one side and betty on the other interesting wow betty is such an underrated spider-man love interest well at least in our world i know you're 3100 you know (laughs) comics ahead of us so i should i should be careful what i say here Let's get back to the, uh, this is the best book of the three, Eddie. So what happens next? Uh, When uh, Peter visits the black cat, she is healthy enough to go out for a swing. As the lovers dance about the city, Spider-Man expresses his concerns that Felicia will be hurt when they next encounter a villain. So when I was putting together my show notes for this podcast, I typed like so many things in this one spot and I just deleted it all. And I wrote down, can we just talk about this? Because... I, I just don't know what to do with it. This is as, this is as many layers as Kevin noticed with Felicia's mom finding out that she's in love with Spider-Man. I mean, there's so much going on here. She admits that she has no black cat powers. I, she's jumping around the city, keeping up with him while he's swinging around and she's like throwing little grappling hooks. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know what to do here. I also don't even know if I, I, 
she has no black cat powers? Like, what was all that other nonsense? And all her previous think... battles were specifically staged to make it look like she had some type of power. <laughs> yeah, so do we want to... It's not too terribly far-fetched because she is extremely clever. I, I mean, yes, it seems unlikely she could have you know, played chess that well when she was fighting someone, but... But is it more likely that she had some kind of powers? It would have been much more fun if she had had a power to give people bad luck. That's for sure. But they really want to stick with the theme here that she is a risk to Peter slash Spider-Man that she can't really go into battle with him and that he has to look out for her as he does in a little while all over this book as she's getting all kinds of trouble. And I think they're like, well, let's strip her down and even remove that power. And they're probably thinking, good, I don't have no explanation for it anyway, except to say it was all rigged. Yeah, they, they uh, aren't very nuanced about it either. They lay it on pretty thick that, that she's sort of weak and a liability, which I didn't appreciate yeah. too much. Yeah, I just, just there's a lot here to unpack, but go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. As if on cue, the hobgoblin attacks with a pumping bomb. Looking to prove herself, Felicia aggressively counters, but allows the hobgoblin to get his hands on her. Livid, Spidey viciously attacks. Despite hobgoblin's new super strength, Spidey's blows wobble the hobgoblin. When Spider-Man plays possum, Felicia messes up the trap, allowing the hobgoblin to escape. I really like the idea of bringing the hobgoblin over to the Spectacular Spider-Man books. Felicia really kind of only lives now in the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man world. I mean, they reference her. He's always like, oh, she's in the hospital. He's thinking about her. But she really stays in this series. And even Flash is hardly in The Amazing Spider-Man anymore. Crossing characters over the books makes me feel these books are connected. And I like that. Now, Kevin, I don't need them connected in the like Craven's Last Hunt or Planet of the Symbiotes way, which is going to happen later on. But this is good to see these worlds overlap. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned Craven's Last Hunt, one of the most famous Spider-Man stories ever, but <laughs> Planet of the Symbiotes, yikes. Uh, I wouldn't scare Eddie with that one just yet. <laughs> but, no, I do I do think it's pretty interesting. Uh, and not only having the Hobgoblin here, but covering a pretty important part of his story rather than doing it over an amazing, which yes. I wonder if, if Roger Stern just maybe ran out of room and didn't have time to do it over an ASM, so they did it here in the B-Book. He's got room. He's doing nothing in Amazing right now. He's he's putting out Thunderballs running around there and, and the, with the Assistant Editor's Month and, you know, the kid who collects Spider-Man. Did a what if. And then they had a dream sequence book. There's nothing going on in Amazing. They took a complete break between a very weak almost revealed the Hobgoblin in 240, you know, 4, 245, and then they jump all the way up to like 248, 249. Like, there's nothing going on there. Huh. Yeah, I don't I, know what's, I don't know what the plan was. I got to disagree with you, James B. Yeah. Yes, stated before, like as an adult with you and Kevin's guidance, this, you know, makes sense for me to read in this order and make sure I'm moving across the uh, different books, you know, correctly with what's going on. But mm. I, as a child, would really still find it confusing to have to like, well, what happened to the Hobgoblin? And I, like, I know you said you used to go into your like comic book store, but I wouldn't always buy comic books from the same spot. And so I wouldn't always get the same level of help trying to figure it out. You thought The Amazing Spider-Man was different than this. I did. I, I found sense. it very, because early on, they seemed like two very different things. 
they were they were written differently. They had different characters, and there was very little crossover. So I just assumed from that point they were different things. So she does mention, "Oh, you're my spectacular Spider-Man." Yes, you know, she's looking at him. <laughs> I hate which these superlatives being used. <laughs> well, so I hate the awesome. fact that they're always talking about how love how much in love they are in front of everybody, in front of the villains. Like, you know, stop <laughs> messing around with my lover. They yeah. say it in front of her it's- mom. They say it in front of every villain. They say it in front of the Hobgoblin here. And they even bring it up in the next book. And Kevin, why don't you tell us when that book is from? From January of 1984, Stan Lee presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 86, Bugs, by Bill Mantlo, art by Al Milgram, and Fred Hembeck. Yes, James B. Fred Hembeck penciled this one. The book is drawn in his signature goofy style. Uh, You want to tell us a little about Fred Hembeck and what this book looks like at the start? Well, he drew the Fantastic Four roast a couple of years ago, (laughs) in our world a couple of years ago, uh, which a book I do not like in any way whatsoever. I find its drawings are weird and it's even more boring a story. It's not funny at all. (laughs) He kind of looks like a mad magazine artist would be drawing a book. The star of the book actually has artist Al Milgram, who has been writing these other stories. Uh, He's drawing himself, I think, being angry that the editors are at Comic-Con and with Danny Fingeroth in charge that he's been replaced by Fred Hembeck. I, I would assume that's not true. He's not really mad, but I, I that's what the story reads. And there's a bunch of pages wasted. I mean, a bunch of pages about that. And then, uh, Eddie, go ahead and tell us what happens when the story okay. sort of kicks in with the real story. Yeah, the story with everyone drawn with little swirlies on their knees here. Um, Uh, While the fly hijacks a garbage barge for snacks, Spider-Man and Felicia attempt to work out their problems. Spider-Man takes Felicia to the bugle where he reveals he's a photog who mostly takes pictures of himself. As Felicia becomes confused about Spider-Man's secret identity, the fly crashes through J. Jonah's window and attempts a kidnapping. Uh, Is this canon? I thought this was like going to be a totally goofy story and like... It appears Spider-Man and Felicia are actually, like, having a real discussion with just goofy illustrations. Yes, it's most definitely canon. And as they kind of mentioned in the issue with the main editors being at San Diego Comic-Con, which was back then was actually a comics-focused Comic-Con rather than movies and TV like it is today. But but this Assistant Editors Month, it was a line-wide thing across marvel and and even their licensed comics like star wars and conan um took took part in it and some of the stories were really out there and some had just very minor blink and you'll miss it jokes or references in them uh for example one of the famous ones was the avengers title uh the team appeared on david letterman's late show and you know no spoilers for any future issues you may read or or have read, Um, but ASM, which I think you did last episode, actually it contains one of the, what is considered one of the best Spider-Man stories ever, which you two hopefully acknowledge when you cover it, unlike when you breeze by, nothing can stop the juggernaut. And uh, (laughs) the the Marvel team-up issue for Assistant Editors Month is just crazy. You'll you'll learn when you get there. Yeah, we did that one, uh, Golden Oldie, yeah, we did. Okay, good, you did that one. And then Marvel Tales, the reprint series, which when they would reprint the issues, they would do small updates to pop cultural references and kind of bring them up to date. 
they went over the top in that particular month's reprint with updating things pretty crazily. I uh, Thank you for that info, Kevin. I just think it's completely wild. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Spider-Man tells Felicia where he works and what he does. Like, she should be able to figure out who he is very easily. With all well, he just says guys. he's a photographer who takes pictures of himself. True. At the Daily Bugle, though, right? Which is basically no? one person. Yes, it's him. <laughs> yeah. All she has to do is pick up a paper. Crazy. There's usually a byline that says photo by Peter Parker. But... Right. Wow. As opposed to the other photographer. <laughs> well, moving on. Spider-Man attacks the fly who was momentarily distracted because he needed to lick up some spilled soda. The battle rages into the printing room where Spider-Man is able to web up the fly who's just trying to eat a sandwich <laughs> instead of really fight. We then return to the editor's room. So back in like real life where they decide to make the last four panels normally illustrated at the end of these pages we see spider-man deciding to swing felicia to his home to reveal his identity this is a wild cliffhanger to end with although the name of the next book is revealed it says something about like a mistaken identity so it looks like it's not really going to be revealed but we'll find out you'll find out no spoilers for me (laughs) Uh, i have not read it so i don't even know i'm i'm very much real time on these books Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about on any of these books at all i think it's interesting felicia and well i can't say peter because she doesn't really know him but she's just pretty much interested in spider-man it's kind of not the most healthy relationship when she actively doesn't want to know much about his personal life and and who he is under the mask right there's a moment when she also says like oh like we'll go back to your penthouse and spider-man's <laughs> like uh maybe because <laughs> i i think it would ruin the illusion of who he is if felicia knew anything about who he actually was so kevin you had that whole thing going on last time we talked to you the uh drunk pete thing where people could go ahead and follow along and read a comic all at the same time on Twitter. You guys still do that? We still do that every Saturday. Yeah. The hashtags drunk Pete on Twitter. You can follow along or feel free to join in. If anybody has free time, if they had questions, they want to reach out to you. How could they, uh, how could they find you on Twitter? It's at Kevin Ewing 22. Awesome. Eddie, if people want to reach out to us and find out what's going on with our new, uh, Second annual Metacon. How could they reach out to get some details? Uh, you could email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you could find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie! And... Kevin! And remember, listeners, that Let's Read Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, is a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also enjoy a podcast about earning extra money. All right, something... Probably all of us, including Peter Parker, could do. Each week, learn how average people can earn money simply by babysitting like Professor X suggested Kitty Pride do a few issues ago. Or baby stealing. Or stealing babies from people who stole babies. Or snitching on people who stole babies. Listen to the Baby Job Share Economy on the Pastepot Patreon Podcast Network. Just what we needed. A 
baby stealing podcast, huh, James B? I, <laughs> I think, I think we should pass out. At least I will pass out that one. Maybe Kevin will go listen to it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I thought a baby stealing. It's a... goodbye. 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 Did you guys notice in that first weird little book that to find the missing baby, Spider-Man found like a little kid? Yeah. Who who knew like, yeah, I know what's going on. Like, I know where the baby is. <laughs> I didn't go like, into it, but like the whole book is actually really scary kind of and dark. Like, because the kid not only knows where he is, but he won't give Spider-Man the information without like... Some money a promise of the reward money yeah because you know, there's like a big reward associated with this. and he actually does get the reward they don't say how much it is but i think they use really? the word substantial when they were describing it because spider-man says at the end he's like somewhere this is happening somewhere this is happening you know and he's like yeah. and somewhere there's a kid spending way too much money on video games and candy bars uh, with his yes. reward money i mean the kid's like I mean, he's not even 10 right he's real he's like smart. yeah the, the thing that an eight-year-old saw a bunch of thugs kidnap a baby and beat up a woman and then take him somewhere and then knows you know is clever enough to use that as a you know like blackmail for the reward uh through spider-man oh did you guys see that john ramita passed away t- yesterday oh my goodness so this is being recorded in june so it's june of 2023 he passed away yeah wow senior i mean senior? yeah john ramita oh, senior i did I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Geez. What a way to wow. end our podcast. Yeah, yeah on a high note, huh? <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite John Romita story, Kevin? Why don't we end it with something positive? Probably, actually, the issue, maybe the issue that I podcasted with you guys about, that spectacular Spider-Man magazine number two with the Green Goblin. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. He also created the Kingpin, right? Yes. All right, well, I'm, I'm raising my glass to John Romita. I'm sorry that... Uh, You passed on, but thank you so much for the memories.